So I'm just up there writing on the wall. And somebody suggests like an every meat pizza. So I just start listing meats until <laughs> it gets weird. <laughs> like, what do you mean it got weird? Like, oh, just, you like, know, it, it was uncannibalistic. Yeah, that, kind of, <laughs> that kind of thing. Welcome to that odious beast gaming. <clears throat> My name's Jonathan. I'm your elder gamer. Uh, I am your, I would say, relaxed gamer mm. at this point. You know what? Uh, Collect Logan them all, the, gamer, the gamers. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. At this point, there's different versions of me. And uh, so this one, I guess, this is what, our fourth episode? So this would be uh, one out of four would be the collectible number on this one. Mm, perfect. Four, four out of four. I don't, can you expand a collection like that with time? Oh, of course. I, Otherwise, how do you make money? <laughs> that, that's true. I mean, that's literally the entire premise of DLC. So <laughs> I guess that's a, that's a pretty good point. Um, well... Obviously, we're we're still in our infancy. If anybody's joining us for the first time, that Odious Beast Gaming is a podcast where Jonathan and I talk about video games. You know the um, ones. So, oh man, I I'm interested. You say you know the ones, John. Do mm. you know the ones? I saw a message in a Discord channel today that suggested that you don't know what video games are, um, which <laughs> suggests maybe you haven't had a ton of time to play them recently. <laughs> oh, I forget you're in that Discord. I was like, wait, how did you see that? Yeah, I was, hiding, I was hiding in your trash can when mm. you pulled out your phone and looked at it. Uh, that was one it, it was uh, uncomfortable for everything. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, no, I have been uh, busy with work and school, but, um, you know, it doesn't mean I didn't have any time to game, just maybe not as much as I would have liked. Sure, um, sure. So, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about some games we've been playing today. Um and I think it'll be a bit of a shorter cast, um, but after we talk about what games we've been playing, we're going to talk about, as teased last week, um, the uh, Slime Rancher, I was going to say expose, but I guess, I mean, I guess it is, but in a good way. like More like an exposition. Mm, like, sure, sure. <laughs> expose um, makes it sound so filthy. Indeed, indeed. Um, but the Patrick Klepek's deep dive into the labor practices at the studio that made Slime Rancher, and it's actually a good story. So we'll talk about that yeah. in a bit. Can I can I retcon my comment of uh, expose makes it sound so dirty and say expose makes it sound so slimy? That way it was a pun. Hey. Yeah, I'll just anyway, uh, could, fix that. In yeah, just, yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, no problem. just uh, I mean, with the magics that are. Uh, like internet editing digital software. magic <laughs> digital magic very true mm. so logan perfect, what perfect. what you been up to oh man um hmm. a couple games this week mm. uh three to be specific i literally only touched three games because life became hectic when when the wow. school schedule set in three it's so few <laughs> true but you got to realize when you and i sat down the first time to discuss this cast i was hitting like 11 unique titles a week Mm. so like i was cranking through them fair Um, enough not not necessarily beating each one sure sure sure. that would be insane but Mm. uh let's start off with with one that i i finally got into a little bit Mm. um and that would be bloodborne hey um I, I don't want to make this the Bloodborne episode. That's definitely going to happen. I'm okay. hoping probably next week. I mean, when I... the game in its third act gets so ridiculous that... Wait, really? Yeah. That, um, that speaking of it before then 
is still valuable, but uh, it's incomplete. <laughs> so yeah, sure. So I'm curious. So where where are you at in the game right now? <laughs> oh man. Okay. So you know how like when you're in the hunter's dream, yeah, you can go to that gravestone and it'll be like, hey, where do you want to wake up in the real world? Hmm. So I've clocked, and you have like checkpoints, right? That you yeah. can come up to in in the game. Um, I've clocked maybe, <laughs> this will tell you how bad I am at this game, maybe six or seven hours into Bloodborne. Okay. And I still have just one of those at Yosefka's clinic. <laughs> so, okay. That's fair. Uh, things, things have been a little slow. Um, and part of it is because they, there's this giant beastie at the beginning that you, they set up there that's kind of off to the side that you don't have to fight, but you get a, uh, a blood gemstone if you do. Mm, which beastie are you referring to? So you come out of Yosefka's clinic. I don't know yep. how familiar you are with this map. Very. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if you're anything like me, then you know this map seriously better than you know your friends or yourself. Um, <laughs> so, again, I've run the same maybe 100 meters of it. Sure. Like a thousand times. Sure. Um, so, yeah, you come up out of the clinic and you go uh, kind of through that creepy tree area and then up those stairs to the wagon where the guy is waiting behind the other side, kind of your first enemy you'll encounter yeah. um, during a, a run. Um, and then off like off to the side of that, there's some gates if you turn to the right. And then there's some like broken bo- or breakable boxes and barrels that you can go to. And there's a giant executioner with like a big blade. Yes. Um, that's like chilling back there. Anyway, if you kill that guy, you get what's called a blood gemstone. Something like that, yeah. Still haven't figured out how to make that thing work. Mm. Uh, but I became adamant that I was going to kill this guy in one of my runs. Yeah. Um, I literally had to throw nine Molotov cocktails at it. Yeah, uh, I mean, but I, that's a way. <laughs> I made it happen. It wasn't pretty. Like, there was nothing elegant. Um, so that was part of why this game has taken these this so fair, long to progress. Yeah. But I do want to say I really have I, – I think it finally clicked for me because um, mm. my previous – like I said, I've, I've put several hours over a couple of play sessions into this game. Um, and each session I've kind of walked away from it, not frustrated, but a little bit bored, um, I would say, mm. kind of from like mm-hmm. the repetitive nature of it. Yes. Um, yeah. But this last run, something clicked, and that's actually what I wanted to talk about. Um, something clicked for me, and I was like, "No, I like actually want to play this game all the way through now." Yeah. Um, and I don't. It, it wasn't. I think it was. I learned how to circle dodge. Um, like oh. if you press circle on the controller, <laughs> you can avoid being smashed to death. Yes. Um, and it's it's you know it's a pretty helpful mechanic. Indeed. I would say mm-hmm. I had previously only been using that button to sprint. Um, but I guess what I wanted to ask you, and obviously we'll talk more about Bloodborne as I actually progress in that game mm-hmm. um i wanted to talk to you about was there a moment that you realized like oh this game is kind of for me um or had you played dark souls or or something along that line before touching bloodborne i just want to know kind of like what your experience was and how you got to the point where you were like no i am going to play all the way through this game sure. was it immediate or later uh yeah i would say it was immediate so before i had played this game I had played several Souls-like games, but never Dark Souls. So I had played and beaten um, Neo was my introduction to the genre, the format. Um, it's an extremely Bloodborne-like game. Um, That's a, a samurai aesthetic, is that right? Uh-huh, yep. Um, okay. Made by Team Ninja, I believe. Uh, 
And then I played Demon Souls, uh, which is the precursor to Dark Souls, a PS3 exclusive. Also beat that game and loved it. Um, and then I, um, and then I moved into Bloodborne. So uh, I knew that I basically I I played and beat those games and I enjoyed them quite a lot. So I there was pretty much no chance that I wasn't going to enjoy this game. Um, sure. So I knew right away, but there are moments in that game where it goes above and beyond. In, in multiple areas, uh, both thematically and I think mechanically. Um, since I don't want to talk about its themes too much, especially later in the game, I'll leave that for sure. a later date. But mechanically, uh, the game is much faster than a Demon Souls. It's it's uh, maybe similar to Neo, but it's it's been enough time since I played Neo that I can't speak super uh, conclusively to that. But the game's very fast, and there is... There isn't a focus on defense. Your defense is get out of the way um, and no attack patterns. And and, uh, so I I was super here for that. When when I played Demon's Souls, I did not really use shields very much, um, probably because I had played Neo, which also does not really have shields. So there are, like, blocking mechanics, but it doesn't have... Um, the Dark Souls kind of shield and sword kind of gameplay. Um, sure. Which, again, I haven't played Dark Souls, but like I am familiar enough that I, I know this. It's kind of renowned for that, yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. So, so the, the game clicked for me right away, but it also, I found a deeper groove in the rhythm of Bloodborne, which sure. forces you, if you want to be... Um, I was gonna say a good player, but even just alive, if you want, <laughs> if you want to stay alive, you need to know attack patterns and you need to know how to exploit them because you're not going to be blocking them. You're going to be right. dodging them and slashing through them. So yeah, so the stagger mechanic is a big part. Yes, huge of, of Bloodborne. And to give you perspective, I mentioned that I hadn't figured out how to roll dodge with circle. <laughs> right. Uh, Stagger was my only line of defense. Interesting. Huh. Well, um, I imagine you got half decent at it then. Yeah, I'm pretty all right at that. Um, of course, I've never gotten to any of the enemies. I hadn't, with that skill, gotten mm-hmm. to any of the enemies that you have to stagger. Right. So there's later some bigger guys that, like, if you don't hit them mid-jump like jump or whatever, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have a real hard time taking them out. Right. Um. Uh, I've obviously seen those guys since, and they're horrifying. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's really interesting um, because having this experience of where like, oh, literally finding one button. I shouldn't say finding it. I've known where it is on my controller the entire time, and I want to make that abundantly clear. Yeah. I did think that that was the sprint button exclusively, though. Ah. Um, and the other thing that was helpful for me, because there's not a whole lot of, of tutorial. I later found some tutorials in mm-hmm. the clinic yeah. uh, that you, like, talk to those little crawly skeleton things. Um, but I didn't know all of those right away. So, like, learning how to target and learning how to circle dodge were huge game changers, literally game changers. Right. Because um, trying to play that game without having your target focused and without having any form of dodge mechanic was very difficult. Um, but I'm, I'm now that I kind of have that, I'm pretty impressed with it overall. Um, and I did want to note that, obviously, 
there's going to inevitably be a time when I beat this game and we talk about that at length. Uh-huh. Uh, we might have to preface that one with Bloodborne spoiler episode because I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep quiet because I've heard that there are some really cool things oh, that yeah. happen in that game. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, but that's uh, that's Bloodborne. So that's nice. been something. Uh, what, what about you, John? What have you been up to? So uh, I finally beat Mad Max this week. Um, oh, very nice. Yeah, about 50 hours, like 48, something like that. Um, and I more or less 100% at the game. The only thing I did not do is a single mission that requires you to play at night, but there is no way to cycle the day-night cycle manually. And where I was at in the story would not auto cycle day night so i basically couldn't do it i think uh, i think at this point after i've beaten the game i could but i just didn't care for reasons i'll get into um oh, oh. and besides that one mission i just i didn't do most of the scrap looting locations the locations that didn't have any items but scrap because i sure had scrap coming out my ears and i didn't really care again um it's a great image. <laughs> you know, just sharp, rusted metal out, out the old ear holes. It's great. Pouring out the ears. So, yeah, I, I beat the game. Um, and I was pretty disappointed with the way, with basically the final act of that game. Um, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. it it. I, mean, I know I mentioned last time that I was getting to new biomes in the world, and that was interesting it was keeping the pace going for me and that stays true i finally obviously made it to the last biome and it's a dump um with a a gas refinery in the middle of it so sorry literally or mechanically a dump uh literally so trash (laughs) everywhere yeah okay mountains of it um and little settlements built into the trash heaps um so is that a mad max setting historically or is this something that avalanche created for this game uh honestly i'm not sure i've only seen fury road um for those familiar with mad max the city i'm referencing in the game is called Gastown, um uh, which is a city that is important to mad max in general um however in fury road you don't see anything in Gastown. Um, none of the story takes place there. So I'm honestly not sure if the dump sure. exists in the universe or not. But either way, it was, a again, a nice change of pace, uh, a refresher. But at, when, once you get to this point, the game gets quite story-heavy, which is um, precarious since it had mm, fairly little story up to that point. Uh, and what I mean by fairly little story is... Like, the amount of narrative steps uh, compared to, like, playtime. And granted, I was extending my playtime by doing a lot of stuff. But to to be able to complete missions, you obviously need to be leveling up because they get progressively harder. So, towards the end, you would need to be roughly at the level I was at anyway, at least for your vehicle. Um, so, I know that the the latter half of the game even for those basically going from story mission to story mission is more story heavy than than the beginning um and that obviously wouldn't be an issue i'm i am not opposed uh on like uh conceptually on the grounds of narrative in games at all not at all but in this game it's 
it was kind of weak to start, and it's just very weak uh, towards the end. Uh, towards the end, Max uh, gets a love interest. Um, who, Interesting. Uh, All right. Yeah. Um, which feels uh, she's pretty ham-fisted. Um, she's definitely more of a sex object than I would prefer narratively. Dang. But it, it's not egregious by any means, but it's... Eh, she, she, it's not ideal. I'll, I'll say that. Um, sure. And uh, so you, you I, I'm getting a little bit spoilery here. So if you care about spoilers for a three-year-old game, then I guess hold off for a few minutes. But um, so you, t- towards the end of the game, you rescue this woman's child. Um, and you... You take uh, you take her back to her mother, and things seem good, and your vehicle gets stolen by your companion throughout the game, and so you go and get that and, and track that down, and then you realize that it was a diversion. Um, so you left the woman and her child, and you come back, and they've you know been brutally murdered, and and I didn't really like that turn at all because the game. Uh, I I felt like it uh, quickly rushed into this romance and then just quickly rushed out. Like it didn't even want to to be in this thing. I it it set up. Um, yeah, I I hear what you're saying there. Which uh, I don't think would be a huge problem if there was character development elsewhere in the game, but there isn't really. And I will, and that's further indicative of the fact that the game ends with you basically needlessly murdering your companion throughout the whole game like you give him an opportunity to it's a very contrived situation you're you're fighting the main bad guy uh you you win the fight in a gameplay section and then he is teetering off a cliff in in a cutscene section and so you just decide to full bore ram your car into him but it's this very protracted conversation between you and your companion being like I'm going to run into him. It's the only chance I couldn't do anything else. I have to destroy my vehicle, even though we were just owning this guy and, and your companion who basically worships the vehicle. He's your mechanic, um, chooses to stay with the car. And Max is like, okay. And you you were forced to go forward. I sat there for like a whole minute without pushing W. Cause it was like, this is a very silly, moment that i don't want to participate in and then i was like well i want to see the end of the game so drove the car and you know smashed into the side at which point any character that you've come to care about in the game really is dead and max is once again alone and has succeeded in having zero character development whatsoever he's the exact same person that he was when the story began and it just well, the benefit is you can play it again. <laughs> yes, yeah. It, it feels both like extremely set up for a sequel and a narrative shoehorned into an open world design where like, oh, hey, you know how the story ended? Well, we want you to keep playing. So, which is funny because you need your mechanic friend. He He's mechanically <laughs> very important to the game because he fixes your vehicle. Um and so once you beat the game and the credits are over, it literally just has this pop-up prompt. 
hey, you're back, and, you know, those characters that we killed, they're back, so have fun, I guess. And it's like... It just... If you're going to have a narrative at all with, like, these well-voice-acted, well-animated cutscenes, clearly going to a lot of production value in which your main character will have no progression at all, and any characters he comes to meet will die senselessly, needlessly, and pointlessly, is just disappointing. And it left me with a bad taste in my mouth for a game that I quite enjoyed up to that point, which was a bummer. Dang, that's that's a tragedy in four acts, is yeah. what that is. That's rough. Yeah, it just... Eh. Yeah, a bummer. That's unfortunate. You know, because you mentioned to me earlier on Discord this week when I said to you, "Hey, uh, let's hop into some some drop in PUBG servers yeah. and, and view how bad I am at that game." For those of you listening at home, it's worse than Bloodborne. <laughs> um, man, PUBG is such a mess for me. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's a fun game. But anyway, that's not the point. Uh, you you messaged back and said, "Hey, no, I'm, I think I'm going to take out Mad Max," and I was super mm-hmm. excited because I was like. Oh man, I can't wait to see how this terminates. Yeah, well, um, it terminates mediocrely. Dang. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, it's not like I had high expectations. It's just that, like, when that's how the game ends and that's it. Especially since I'd done all the side stuff already, all the side stuff of any value. Right. Um, like not even going back into the world to get a, a taste of like the mechanical fun that I had with the game worked or the atmospheric, um, intrigue that I had with the game worked either. Sure. So yeah, it was, it was a bummer. I, I think the game is, is good overall and I would recommend it just, um, yeah, don't care about the story, I guess, which I, <laughs> if you play video games, I guess I don't really need to say that. Because in mass, a lot of video game stories are pretty mediocre. But uh, yeah, same story here. Yeah. Uh, wow. Dang. But if we want to talk about games with good stories, yeah, that's what I was gonna I'm say. I'm seeing a I couple a good good games on your list. Good, what you got? Good games. Um. Hmm. Man, uh, the problem is the two games I've got on my list that you're thinking of, I haven't beaten either of them. Uh, okay, fair uh, enough. Uh, so what I want to do, I'm trying to pick one that I think I can have a... Uh, let's do Life is Strange, which I wrote with seven A's on the list. As one does. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll talk about this one uh, simply because I, I don't think... Because this is one you intend to play pretty fully. Yes, I, absolutely. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, this is one that would be a hard enough thing to get into spoiler conversation with you anyway mm-hmm. um so maybe we'll have a more full discussion on some of the themes some of the plots when when you play it but i guess okay what do you know about life is strange starting out uh i know it's a sort of um real world with magical elements uh, story of like a preteen or a teen uh girl and her relationships yeah, more or less. yeah, that's uh, that's a pretty good premise set. Uh, so, so to set a little bit more of a background there, uh, you play as a character named Max Caulfield, uh, 
who I could probably talk for a couple of hours about because she's one of my favorite video game protagonists nice. ever. Um, yeah, no, just uh, it's it's pretty rare, um, especially like we like you just mentioned in video games where stories aren't awesome. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, it's incredibly rare to find a, a character that you relate to. Yeah, uh, like in a lot of ways. And uh, just as far, you get to see a lot of Max's internal thoughts mm-hmm. um, and a lot of the, the things that she thinks and the way that she looks at the world. And I relate with that character a lot, uh, which is kind of cool um, because, I mean, especially in the early games of, or in the early days of story-based video game, there was a whole lot of dude bro going on in a lot of plots. Sure. Um, and I've never really related to that super, super well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is, this is definitely a, a pretty cool one. So... Max is a senior at an art high school. Okay. Um, where she lives away from her parents, um, and she she studies there, lives in a dorm, and it is like you said, it's about her her interactions with the people there, and there's right. a lot that goes down plot wise. Um, this is not like any sort of like a friendship or or dating sim or anything like that. It's not about the relationships in that way. There are very serious, very real events that happen in this game okay. that you have to respond to. Um, without getting too deep into spoiler territory, but there's a there's a segment in early, early in the game where one character pulls a, a gun on another character and you're the only witness to that. Okay. And so it's that kind of interaction between characters that, that becomes important. What's interesting about Life is Strange is the, the core mechanic, because aside from this core mechanic, Life is Strange is a walking sim with with choice. But the mechanic is that Max can turn back time. Right. Yeah, and so what happens is you have this sequence where, okay, you saw some a student pull a gun on another student, right? And you can tell the principal, and he you will see all the short-term consequences of telling the principal. Mm. And then... You can roll back time and do it where you don't tell the principal and see all the immediate short-term consequences of that. What you don't get to see are the long-term consequences. There's a little bit of implication. The writing is excellent in the sense that they imply long-term consequences with pretty much every single narrative choice, um, every serious narrative choice that they have you make in the game. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really interesting. I don't think I've ever felt more anxiety over what I'm doing in a video game than I have <laughs> during Life is Strange. Okay. Um, there was uh, recently in my play experience, there was an incredibly poignant experience with essentially a, you make choices throughout the game. That's kind of your thing. There's yeah. a segment where another character is going to make a choice. And for narrative reasons I've yet to discern... Um, they hint at pretty heavily, but I don't have any definite answers on. You are unable to use your reversal power to alter that situation. Okay. And so knowing that you won't be like they set you up, you time is your friend very much in this game. Uh huh. And about midway through the third chapter, which is like halfway through the overall game, they put you in a position where you can't use time as your friend anymore. Um, and so that kind of thing, it really. For me, it's highlighted the importance of choices, not just in-game, but kind of outside in the real world as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and has really actually changed the way that I look at the things that I do and the way that I interact with people. Um, and that's really super cool. Absolutely. Um, and like I said, the writing is very good. There, it, it's, it's incredibly real mm. in the sense that 
you know, in the real world, there are good guys and there are bad guys, but they don't really exist in that sense, right? Right. Everybody's just a person in the real world. Like the guy who mogs, who robs the corner store and gets arrested and goes to jail for however many years for armed robbery, mm-hmm. you could meet him in a coffee shop and have a pleasant conversation, right? Yeah. And that's very much how Life is Strange is written. It's very difficult to to tell who is good and who is bad bad per se right and it's everything is written so that in certain situations you're sympathetic to people who you normally wouldn't be sympathetic to and i think that's about as much as i can say about this game without really getting into into plot spoilers sure um i will say uh i've played a lot of games this is one of my favorites i've ever played um very very excited for life is strange 2 which uh from what i understand explores uh way more like there's a from what i understand there's themes of racism Mm -hmm. um there's themes of kind of sticking together when nobody is on your side right um from what i understand that one's about two brothers who are uh minorities i don't know a ton about it uh but i'm it's a definite will play Mm -hmm. and will probably play at full retail value and not six years later because <laughs> for me these games are very very good um yeah. and chapter two for life is strange 2 is dropping pretty soon uh, i believe if so it, yeah i think it's tomorrow actually uh, it could Tom- could be the 25th mm-hmm. uh but yeah anyway so that's that's been my experience with that game yeah it's a game i'm been... very much looking forward to and based on what you've said today even more so yeah i can't I can't express. Oh, hey, look at that. Life is Strange Episode 2 will launch, or 2 Episode 2, mm-hmm. which is awesome, will launch on January 24th, 2019. Oh, so that's um, today. Yeah. And so, from what I understand, that one has some tie ins to Captain Spirit as well, Episode 2, mm-hmm. uh, which was their kind of in- interim uh, game that they made in between Life is Strange right. and Life is Strange 2. Yeah. Same universe, different character. Yeah. So I, I mean, obviously there's a lot for me to catch up on before I really get into Life is Strange 2, mm-hmm. uh, but this, I mean, I don't foresee, uh, Don't Nod, I think, did that one, or Don't Nod. I don't know how you pronounce it. I'm going to assume <laughs> it's Don't, don't nod, nod, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's no punctuation don't in Don't Nod. <laughs> Man, Don't Nod is my favorite festive Christmas drink. Yeah, the um, truth. Uh, but yeah, no, very much love this game. So, nice. That's uh, that's where I'm at. Now, uh, as as for your list, we got here, Jonathan. Oh, you know, PUBG is is on the list. Who could have foreseen? Um, now, what I do want to know again, I I do peer into that Discord that you forgot I was in mm-hmm. from time to time. In fact, I can't help myself because I haven't disabled notifications on it. Ah. So even though I don't know anybody who's in that Discord, right. I'm constantly getting notifications, which is fine. It doesn't bother sure, me at sure. all. Um, but I, I did hear uh, somebody say something about Canted Sites. Yes. So uh, Has that patch dropped? Yeah. So dropped onto the t- patch 25, which is the first patch since the new map went live about a month ago. Uh, patch 25 dropped on the PC test servers uh, yesterday. And this patch includes quite a lot. So it uh, has a new weapon. It's a new SMG class weapon called the PP Bison, um, which uh, it's like an ump, but for those who've played the game, 
basically an ump, but better with a bigger magazine, more or less. Um, uh, it includes uh, a new vehicle on on Vikendi, the new map. It's a snow bike. Uh, so it's a, a snowmobile with one rail, basically, and is much faster, but much uh, more prone to damage than than the snowmobile. Um, when, when Sorry, I'm going to interrupt here. When please. you say damage, do you mean, like, physically you will get in a car wreck and you'll take more damage? Or, like, if somebody shoots you, you will take more damage? Uh, all of the above. And, and by... <laughs> so it's just the get wrecked mobile. Right. So... The way damage works in vehicles in PUBG, if you crash, you do damage to the vehicle, but also to the player character. The player character damage doesn't change from vehicle to vehicle, but the damage to the vehicle might change. So the snow bike is very weak as far as its own structural integrity. So it takes far fewer bullets to explode it, and it takes fewer like head-on collisions to explode it. So that's kind of the trade-off. It's a much faster, much more maneuverable vehicle than the snowmobile, um, but it's much weaker. So Gotcha. And so this is something I wouldn't know as a, a very rookie player of this game. Uh-huh. Is it possible to shoot, say, a motorcycle or a snow bike while somebody is on it and only hit the bike and explode the bike while they're driving it? Is that like a mechanic? Yep. yep. Huh. Yeah. That what, is if a vehicle cool. drives by me... Um, I will typically, I'll do my best to aim for the driver because if you hit the driver, it will obviously do damage to them and not the vehicle. Um, right. But if you, um, so if I'm aiming for the driver and I'm missing, but hitting the vehicle, I'm still ultimately getting towards, uh, blowing the vehicle up or, or getting the driver either, either one. So, um, so yeah, it's much easier to to blow up the snow bike. Um, most vehicles uh, will take about a full clip from an AR, so it's thirty to forty bullets before blowing oh, up. Um, this the snow bike is uh, far fewer; it's like twenty or some something close to that. So gotcha. Um, so yeah, that that's a new thing. Um, canted sights are a new thing. They're both a new item as well as a new excuse me, a new general mechanic, which is to say that uh, you can now attach canted sights to most any weapon, um, and it allows you to toggle quickly between a close-range sight, like a red dot, which is what the canted sight is, and Mm -hmm. a scope. So the way it works is if you find the canted sight item out in the world, you can slap it on your weapon and press a key bind. By default, it's alt and uh, right-click. Right-click, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it will tilt your gun slightly, and if you then aim down the sights, you'll be aiming down the canted sight. If you then alt-right-click again, it will switch back to whatever you have on the upper rail of your weapon. Be it uh, Typically, you would want a bigger scope, so you can switch from a close-range sight to a much further sight is, is the usefulness of it. So that's the right. thing, and it's, it's very cool and very useful uh, for some weapons more than others. Like, you can put it on SMGs, but SMGs don't really fight at range anyway, so it doesn't matter. Um, but ARs are very useful at close range and at, like, pretty decent range, 300, 400 meters. So they're extremely um, uh, bumped by by this new item. Uh, what else is new? Tons of bug fixes. Oh, and a night mode for Vikendi map with... 
ah. a beautiful full moon and an aurora borealis it's uh it's very pretty um and it doesn't basically doesn't affect gameplay at all like it's night but it's not dark um full moon and and the northern lights yeah you, you can see just fine um so it's an aesthetic change um more than it is a gameplay change which i'm all for but logan the greatest uh update in, in this patch is the existence of a secret loot cave okay is... hold on but <laughs> hold on secret loot cave that's correct <laughs> uh i'm discovered by i i'm actually not sure i don't know if it's known yet who's discovered it uh, but it propagated throughout the community last night, so almost a full 24 hours after the patch was out, um, in which uh, um, there's a spot on the map uh, under a mountain with two rock formations on either side of the mountain that looks ever so slightly different to the the surrounding rock face. And if you rush into Is- it with a vehicle, the rock face will explode and you can get into a cave in which there are dozens and dozens of airdrops, those iconic red crates with the blue tarps. And most of them are empty, but it seems like every time you go in, there are two that actually contain uh, full crate weapons and gear, which are the best gear gear and weapons you can get in the game. So needless to say, people are flocking to this secret loot cave in huge numbers and uh, it's a, it's a it's a bloodbath out there right now. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects player numbers on Vikendi when it goes to live servers. Because sure. watching people play yesterday, it was clear that a lot of the server was dying very early over these ridiculous fights at the cave. So it's it's a cool little change um, that may have. You know, significant long-term consequences for the map, which is uh, very exciting. And that's on Vikendi. Yes, Vikendi only. It's the first thing gotcha. like this. It's the it's the first time you could get crate class weapons, not from the crates from... that drop from the sky. Sure. Um, so it's 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 a new mechanic, more or less, or rather a new avenue to get these weapons um, that is guaranteed in a certain spot every time. As so long as you have a vehicle, or you can blow up the rock faces with a grenade. Um, ah, that seems a little wiser. Yeah, it's it's typically grenades don't spawn uh, particularly frequently on that map there compared to other maps. So finding a vehicle is usually easier. Um, gotcha. Yeah, uh, it's a cool thing. the The patches is very exciting. As somebody who plays this game a lot, I've been looking forward to it for a few weeks now. And can't wait for it to come to live servers, hopefully next Tuesday. Nice. Now, Jonathan, I'm going to contend with you here on a point when it comes to PUBG. Bring uh, it. You did list uh, the Loot Cave as the coolest uh, new update. Mm-hmm. I'm going to argue that the fact that if I could move my computer into my kitchen, okay, mm-hmm. and I could have Aurora Borealis <laughs> localized entirely in my kitchen... <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say that that's probably the coolest update. You know what? Um, That you could, Logan, and I would agree with you. (laughs) 
but that's uh that sounds like a pretty full and rich update yeah so PUBG has moved away they used to do basically weekly updates um, oh really and like with any update there are bugs with this update because you change things about the game and you break things about the game that's how this works sure. um and so they started to garner a pretty bad reputation for not fixing bugs quickly enough because yeah, they were springing that. up faster than they could be killed and so they've moved to now a much more infrequent um, patch uh, schedule, roughly once a month the last few months, which means that we get much bigger patches just at uh, more spread out intervals, which has been a bit more fun, in, in, in my opinion, as a player. And there have been fewer bugs, which is nice. So all around, uh, great experience, and this patch is no different. Good to hear, good to hear. Mm. Well, hey, Jonathan. You want to talk about some Slime Rancher? Let's do it. All right. Uh, so Patrick Klepek, we alluded to this last week. Patrick Klepek over at Waypoint, uh, he went ahead and put together this article on how Slime Rancher made oodles of cash without exploiting a single worker, uh, at least not in the hourly sense. Right. Um, which is is pretty awesome. So those of you who, who are listening at home, obviously we recommend the article super super cool yeah we'll, we'll read some um, excerpts out of it but it's definitely worth the full read yeah i want to start off with how uh patrick dove into this mm-hmm. uh his his grab statement i guess you could call it his <laughs> hook at the beginning of the article is one of my favorite things in modern literature it's very good um, which he leads into with saying <laughs> noted joe rogan fan and exceptionally bad twitter user elon musk recently said Quote, there are easier pla- way easier places to work, but nobody ever changed the world on 40 hours a week, close quote. Uh, obviously, Musk said that in response to the criticism of Tesla um, yeah. and his other companies um, mm-hmm. as kind of the, the defense of why it's chill for him to exploit a ton of people. Right. Um, I do love the note of exceptionally bad Twitter user. <laughs> um, that's just, it's so yes. good. Yeah. Um, I mean, Musk has undoubtedly had a bad year on Twitter, catching a lot of flack from a lot of different angles and deservedly. So I should say totally. Um, yeah. It, for those who don't know, um, Elon Musk has a history of anti unionization for his employees, uh, which a lot of employers of do. Uh, so it doesn't necessarily make him unique, but what may make him a bit more unique in that space is that he pushes his employees so hard to work after hours. Uh, of course, not not mm, they're not required, but it is heavily uh, what's the term I'm looking for? It, it's compulsory. You you are totally. compelled to work ridiculous hours under the guise of saving the world which is maybe a message that resonated with me a few years ago uh but i've become much more jaded to over time with musk specifically and his companies so yeah yeah um and what i like about the just i i note this opening that he has about elon musk not just because it's funny Yes. Um, but also, there are a lot of things you could say about Elon Musk. Sure. And these two particular adjectives, noted Joe Rogan fan and exceptionally bad Twitter <laughs> user, do not garner any praise toward Elon Musk no, in particular, not. which I think works really well for what he's trying to say. Right. Um, and 
it's important to note that Nick Popovich, the game director behind Slime Rancher, actually responded directly to Musk on Twitter. I remember seeing the tweet. Yeah, um, same. And kind of thinking like, oh, nice. Also thinking like, never heard of Slime Rancher, um, <laughs> which I think might have been just me. It seems Sure, it's a pretty big game, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, oh, cool, well, that's awesome, I guess. And then this article came came along a little later. Yeah, so Popovich's tweet, as mentioned in the article, states, We made Slime Rancher working 40 hours a week. It has been played by over 5 million people, creating an amazing company of talent, created an amazing company of talented people, and currently has a 98% positive score on Steam. There is always another way, close quote. So, yeah, I... I don't think anybody Popovich isn't positioning his Slime Rancher Slime Rancher as a game and his studio as changing the world per se, but he's holding this up as something very successful and very well known that did not exploit work uh, labor at all and was done in a completely reasonable time frame with reasonable hours. Um, Showing that, yes, there is always another way, at least according to Nick Popovich, and and I'm persuaded to agree with him. Um, Yeah, and especially looking at it in in what you said about Elon Musk's companies earlier, where it's very much this change or even save, in some cases, the world mentality. Yes. Um, And it very much drains, I would say, the passion of those employees in that way. I mean, video game... The industry here is, is like super in that lane. Yes. Um, where it's all about, you know, just like sucking and and living off the defense of passion, I guess yeah. you could say. Uh-huh. And of like the fact that pe- these people who are making these games love games. Yeah. Um, and so that I this is, I think, as far as as people who are qualified to remark on this and to talk about their experience. I would say I keep wanting to call him Greg Popovich, which I'm pretty sure is an NBA coach somewhere. That could be true. Um, but yeah, Nick Popovich, uh, I think, is uniquely qualified to talk about this. Um, and what's interesting is that these aren't just words. Um, the story seems to hold up with yep. people who talk. Mm-hmm. Or if you talk to employees of his company, which is really cool. Which Patrick Klepek did. And yes, they all seem to... Uh, hold up the statement that a few mentioned extremely brief periods of, of working late. Um, but that there was a, but one, those were voluntary and two, there was always top down, uh, push towards, uh, you should go home even, even for Nick himself, uh, which like, uh, Logan, you and I were just talking before the cast. Uh, I, According to my work schedule, uh, I'm only scheduled to work a half day at my job tomorrow. Um, right. But I have a lot to do, so I'm probably going to go in for a full day. Nobody's asking me to do that. In fact, nobody's even telling me that I should do that. But it's right. something that I want to do. It's something that will make me feel better if I do and is completely on my own. And nobody's being like, well, you know, it'd be cool if you could come in. No, nobody is saying any of that at all, which is what it sounds like is happening in this case. Yeah. In fact, their communications manu- manager, uh, Carol Holmes, said this, quote, 
can confirm that he has told me to go home and to stop working and to relax on numerous occasions. Yeah. She then went on to say, it's hard to break bad habits, uh, which is pretty awesome because it sounds yeah. like, you know, like most of us in, in kind of a work situation, we feel a little better if we can knock out something that's on our mind um, that we're working on. Um, but it's really cool to hear that, that Popovich is sending people home right? Um, and telling them to relax because like a lot of that pressure – that we feel. I mean, I used to work in account management, which is incredibly fast-paced and and very self-managed uh-huh. um, as far as a as far as a job path goes. Um, and I can say, if my boss ever said to me like, "Hey, don't stress about this. Just like go home and like don't think about it," that was actually a lot easier to do than it might have sounded. Yeah. Because I knew that any negative consequences that came from that, I could say like, "Well, dude, you told me to go home." Right. 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 Um, and it kind of took it out of my court a little bit. And it sounds exactly like that's what's happening over at, uh, is it uh, Monomy Park? Is that the name of the... I believe, yeah, I believe that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, it's it's not the name I'm questioning. It's the pronunciation, which... Right. Oh, man. With, I don't know if that's a Japanese word or if it's just something... I don't know. Portmanteaued. <laughs> some other words perhaps i don't, I don't know <laughs> portmanteau is a verb now right we i can say that they portmanteaued that. ah why I'm... not anything's a verb in <laughs> Man, the year of our I... lord 2019 true let me be clear on this point i will subvert the english language however i see fit Ab- agreed which, which means that portmanteaued is just as much of a word as totes um... <laughs> we've arrived <laughs> here we are welcome to 2019 everybody off last stop um but yeah, no, it's really cool to see this kind of, um, kind of setting. Yes, in there. absolutely. Yeah, it, uh, this Logan and I, you and I have talked in the past um, about uh, labor exploitation in the industry. That's something we we talk about fairly often. So it's very cool to see the opposite, see a success story, a, a real, true success story of a very successful, very well known game that didn't require. Uh, obscene hours and um but it's it's important for another reason beyond just the employee's health which is a huge uh reason um popovich has a quote in here in which he states the more players think games are worth devs being miserable in order to deliver them on time the more we're dehumanized which i think um is a pretty critical point. Uh, we 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 jokingly use the term gamer around here. If if you hadn't noticed, <laughs> literally um, in the title of the podcast. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It, but it there, there's a an understandable, maybe not always fair, but definitely existent uh, rift between. Um, the game, the the quote unquote like hardcore gamers community and and developers, in which it is not a compassionate one, uh, from, uh, from gamers to devs, rarely Absolutely anyway. Not. Yeah. And Popovich makes the point that if you allow, um, unfair labor practices that contributes to the the dehumanization of these people both like literally in their health as well as um in the broader conversation um and yeah i I just think that's a a really critical point 
Yeah, no, it's super important to know. I don't know, have you had the opportunity to read, uh, let me think of the title, a couple years ago, uh, Jason Schreier over at Kotaku came, came out with a book called Blood, Sweat, and Pixels. Mm, I'm Have familiar. you had a chance to read that? No, unfortunately, but I know it's a book that also touches quite a bit on the labor of making games. Yeah, so it's... Hmm. I, I've read part of it. Uh-huh. I don't want to say it was like a paradigm shift for me um, because I've I've always been kind of sensitive to developers. Having made a couple of uh, low quality games in my day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always been kind of sensitive to their, their plight. Um, but in games culture, uh, particularly the hardcore game crowd in general, you see a disconnect definitely between what's in a game and the people that made it. Like you'll see entire communities rage over something being in a game or not being in a game. Right. Um, when in reality, if, and, and Blood, Sweat, and Pixels is the reason I brought it up. It sheds light on this. Mm-hmm. If you understood, sometimes those aren't developer decisions. Um, sometimes there's technical limitations. Sometimes there's right. publisher decisions that override. Sometimes there's deadlines that need to be met. And yes. the fact of the matter is that the hardcore gaming community in general is not sensitive to that kind of problem. No. And so the more that we work to meet the expect, or I shouldn't say we, the more that developers work to meet those expectations particularly working overtime the worse those expectations are going to get agreed the the community has not shown itself i don't want to speak too harshly here but here goes the community (laughs) has not shown itself capable of managing those expectations in a way that is healthy for developers for a lot Um, of games yeah right yeah 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 not to not to say that that's every game or every gamer um I know that there's a lot of awesome people out there who don't feel that way about developers. But the problem is that it's common enough that yeah. um, that it gets messy. And so that's, I mean, that's that's my take on it. And so it's really cool to see, uh, I mean, obviously developers understand this, but not every project head seems to understand this. Um, and so it's really cool to see one that does. Agreed. Yeah, it's a, it's a hopeful tale. And yeah, people should go read that. Uh, it's on Waypoint. Um, came out uh, about ten days ago now. Um, yeah, it's a great, a great story. Uh, it's hopeful and heartwarming, and I'd like to see more of it. Yeah, and it's really cool because it comes from a place of honesty. I mean, Patrick uh-huh. in the article talks about how Waypoint even had startup mentality and, and labor right. problems. Right. Um, and so I don't know. It's I can't recommend this enough, and obviously. Uh, like you said, John, very heartwarming. 20, <laughs> 2018 was a tough year yep. for for labor practices and, and those sorts of things. Um, and so, yeah, honestly, my big hope is that, you know, throughout the years and as, as things shape up, um, obviously we're going to have developers who are working 40-hour weeks, and I do want to say that people who are working 40-hour weeks often have time for their own projects. Mm-hmm. And so when people start creating their own projects, when people start working on their own things, you know, people who are passionate about games are going to make more games, you know? Yeah. And what I'm interested to see is as, as we start looking at developers and as developers are treated more fairly, we're going to get more games and we're going to get better games. Yeah, uh, this true. isn't this isn't going to be a problem, and so I'm very very interested in, and very excited. Obviously, this is a small step in that direction, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm very pleased with it. Agreed. 
Well, Logan, I think that's going to do it for us today. Um, well, th- unless you had any closing thoughts. I do have one. Oh, um, it's, on. a, it's a good one. And that is that we talked about this episode being a short episode. <laughs> um, and it definitely is on a curve. Um, I think an hour is about what we've aimed for with these things. And mm-hmm. I'm just very pleased that our short episode has, has hit the goal that we have set for our regular Indeed. episode. Indeed. Um, it's very, very telling. <laughs> Um, we did it but yeah we sure did um so for those of you who are out there listening thanks so much we really appreciate you coming along this uh we had some good stories we had some bad stories you know the the works we got it yeah we literally the works uh tm (laughs) is it's all here uh with with good patches for PUBG and uh, a little bit of a touching tale um but thanks so much. We'd like to thank uh, Brian Altano and Weird Heat for the use of our theme song, Nostalgia. Uh, excellent track, excellent music. Uh, I vibe to that particular brand, uh, Weird Heat, very often. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, especially now that school's set in, it's a great, <laughs> great background track to Absolutely. keep the, the progress rolling. So. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jonathan Nielsen. You can follow Logan at at Logan Matthew four oh one. I knew we were forgetting something. Uh, no worries, I got um, you. And so I was like, I was like, I'll just drop off after the dedication and hope that John remembers. <laughs> uh, but that was it. That was Twitter handle. So I think that's gonna wrap us up, right? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for well, listening, thanks so everybody. Much for listening.